Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. It is the 10th of October, 2013, and uh, it's, you know what? We're back to action-packed weeks in tech. There's been uh, there's been a lot going down beyond uh, Google's um, new hummingbird algorithm. Um, and, yeah, so we actually have a lot to discuss in the news segment, the first segment of our show. Coming up in our second segment, we have uh, digital media partner Alan Kinnack, um, also one of the analytic gurus of Canada, to talk about life after no referral. Uh, you know, how do you get around not knowing what those keywords are and what are solid measurements? Um, and I think in our third segment, we're going to be looking at a post from SEO Moz, a breakdown of a mega search engine result page. Anything you might find on a search engine result page, Moz has broken it down into component pieces and, you know, we'd be, it'd be crazy not to cover it given the, you know, changes in the way Google's displaying search results. Um, quick, uh, quick warning before the show, Dave, I am sick. Dude, I have the Toronto cold. It's sweeping across the city and I'm just a snot machine. Uh, see, when you said, Dave, I'm sick, I thought, Jim, it's all right, man. I've known you long enough. I've known it for years. But you're, Dude, you're the one who came up with stuffing the bunny in the blender last week. <laughs> I remember that. I don't, I don't forget this stuff. God, I'm sick. I'm sick. Valid point. Valid point. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a trooper, and I'm sure our listeners um, appreciate it, your, your dedication to still coming on, um, still providing some good radio. Uh, you're a trooper, Jim. Well done. Indeed. Okay. So, <laughs> because I'm sick, I mean, this is a poor excuse, but I'm working on half speed today, and I didn't do a lot of research before the show, but we have a great producer, Brasco, and he put up all these show notes, okay, the stuff that he thinks would be, would be smart for us to talk about. One of them is an article in Search Engine Watch by Jennifer Slegg, a.k.a. at Genstar. Um, Google's getting ready. The headline reads, is Google getting ready to retire PageRank? Now, my first reaction to that is they can't. Like, the, the, they can't. That's The machine, you know, works in a certain way. PageRank is the kernel. Dave, is Google getting ready to replace PageRank? Yeah, it's gone. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a technology that they've worked on and worked on and built on and built on for, what, a decade plus now. Um, I, I don't think uh, that's going away. Um now, I mean, we have sort of two discussions here. I think one, a clarification, um, what I'm pretty sure Jennifer is really referring to in that title. Well, if you read it, you know, you know, but um, is, are they looking to get rid of that little green bar that we all lean on so often? Um, oh, you know, right. even the page rank, I mean, heck, you know what, you know better than to, than to base stuff on page rank. I know better, but you can't tell me you never look at it, right? <laughs> like we no, all do. I never look at it. I don't care. I haven't looked at page rank toolbar in, honest to goodness, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I haven't looked at it in years. I don't care. Well, well done. 
Well done. I do. <laughs> so there's just my convention. I do. I can't help it, right? You you get drawn. Page rank update happens, or toolbar page rank update happens. Let's put that in there for yeah, clarification. I've never trusted it as an indicator. I mean, like one to ten. Google's got billions of documents in its index, and it ranks, you know, one to ten. I think <laughs> it hurts my brain too much. <laughs> Yeah, valid point. Um, what I, one thing I know we're seeing, one thing, something that, to your point, uh, is some great discrepancies between um, toolbar page rank and rankings. Right? The, you remember the day? I mean, you and I used to work together at this time. Where if you had a page rank five or six or seven, you owned whatever phrase you wanted, pretty much. <laughs> your, your rankings were based on that. Yeah, there was a validity to looking at the uh, the, the, the page rank uh, indicator, mostly because we didn't have a lot of other indicators we could look at. Right. I came up page uh, rank didn't have webmaster tools. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, it, well, I, I do, and I think now uh, in this era, if they did pull it, if Google did just go, we're not showing uh, toolbar page rank anymore. It's just, you know, on their end, it's gotten so complex that it can't possibly be filtering down, not even to anything near a 1 to 10, right? Like, once upon a time it did. Now we're dealing with multiple factors that can't even be graded in the same scale anymore. Um, nevertheless, nevertheless, large segments of the industry still use this as an analytic that they can sell as a commodity. Oh, for sure. Well, okay. If you're referring to the to the link buyers and, and link sellers, well, I, you know, oh, I am, of course. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, at the same time, I do. I mean, just full disclosure here, or, or full confession here, I will look at it if I'm trying to get just a quick snapshot of is this site decent, right? Like, and I'm looking at a website, going, okay, is this kind of strong? If I see it's a page rank one. Okay, I kind of know that means it's a lot weaker than something that's a six. I mean, it's you know not a one beats two, but or, or one's less than two or whatnot. But generally, these things are going to equate. If I was Google, with everything they're telling us, with all the changes we're having to make, what a blessing in a weird way it would be if they just yanked that toolbar. Um, so that when <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure you've had these discussions with your clients. Wouldn't it be nice if you were just reporting on whatever links you built or you know refer data coming in and going, hey, you know, <laughs> we got uh, you know these links got acquired to your site and look, they're on perfectly relevant pages. Though that client going, but it's a page rank zero, and then having to explain, yes, I understand that it's a new page. Right? <laughs> like have that big discussion with them and just time save. Go, you know, Google wants us focusing on relevance. Stop showing us something else. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's more like I go to a client meeting armed with information drawn from uh, Webmaster Tools or Google Analytics or whatever other analytic program, a third-party analytic program our clients might be using. And when they hit me with something like PageRank, I feel like a fully trained cartographer talking to somebody with flat earth. <laughs> 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 it's true. I mean, it's very, very much, to me anyway, even at this point, where, yes, I, you know, to the example, I will look and go, okay, six beats a one, right? Like, if I got to put energy into something, six beats one. But at the same time, you know, you and I, um, and I think all of our listeners, and even a lot of our clients at this stage, but not a few of them, understand that it is a metric among many, and not even an accurate metric at that. <laughs> there are many more accurate metrics. Um, so I, I think, you know, if you can put things in context, it's fine. But personally, I'll, I'll enjoy the day when that gets pulled down. And now, 
um, stop me with that. Stop that distraction. Let's just look at uh, let's just look at relevancy. Let's just look at did it drive traffic to our site? Um, you know those sort of critical information Google wants, and and to their end, they need to stop making this a question that's on the table. Sure, I agree with you. I I, I think they should just pull it. It doesn't provide. Yeah. I don't think it provides like a really useful data set. I think it serves to confuse the market and, and confuse SEOs. And I gotta say, it's just um, <laughs> it's a BS metric. And you know, it's been, it was used by part of the industry that I'm really displeased with. Um, I've been displeased with for years, and it was sold as a commodity by those guys. And so I, I, I just can't. Yeah, oh, I'm just retiring altogether. Yeah. Okay, let's get let's get creepy, Dave. <laughs> to to, <laughs> to uh, steal a phrase from. Um, from Barry Swartz, this is creepy. <laughs> Google Maps has added a new feature, and this is you know this is important for uh, for SEOs who uh, who want to sense what search users might be doing with you know how search users might be gathering information. When you use Google Maps and you use Google products, you know Google just like you know traces a whole whack load of information about you, right? Yep. So. Say you wake up here. Say you live uh, just to use Barry's example that straight off of the search engine roundtable page. Say you live in San Francisco, and you wake up one morning. You know you got to fly to New York that day, okay? Yep. Um, so you go to Google. You type in your flight information um, just to check that your you check that your flight's on time. That there's no issues at the airport or anything. You do that straight from the Google search box, right? Yep. Okay. So Google knows you've done that. So now. You pick out your Android phone or you on your desktop, you do a Google map, okay, just to make sure that, you know, the route to the airport is clear, that you don't have any traffic to deal with. When you do that, Google remembers that you have a flight that day and will also pull up your flight information for you. That's a, it's predictive search. It's a form of predictive search. So Google knows you gotta go to the drugstore, because you always go to the drugstore on Tuesdays. So it's going to pull up products from that drugstore, or in in the case of uh, the the example Barry used, from the airline. That's kind I of like cool. it. I like it, and you're right. It, like his quote, um, you know, it's an exciting time for search. A bit creepy, <laughs> but, um, but you know, totally spot on. And and here's where I'm viewing it, and and I'm just going to take this forward and and. Because you know, I know, anything Google does, I mean, how much does it cost Google engineers to put in, right? I mean, we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars of development to get this done, if millions. Millions. Uh, what I would love, love, love to see, and I know it would help me, and it would make Google money, and you know it's going to be coming, is, okay, fine, so now you know I'm landing, you're tracking, you know, me, you know, through the air, was there delays, blah, blah, blah. Okay. As I land, why not pop up something to my phone going, all right, do you need a cab? <laughs> How often have you landed a place? Now you're fighting for cabs or, or whatnot, um, right? Oh, Trying to sure, get that right? sorted out on the ground and stuff. Okay, well, why don't you get these cab companies advertising, right? And, and things like that. Okay, we notice you're landing, you know, it knows you're landing at five. Well, fine. Show me, you know, now, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, and you know, I've reserved at this hotel or, you know, now, you know, because you followed me on my Android and I'm at that hotel. I want to pop up some ads for some restaurants in the area, right? You know, you know I when want, I landed, what's that? I want the ham sandwich feature. 
Google, you know when I'm landing. I want a bloody ham sandwich waiting for me at the gate. <laughs> In the hand of a cab driver. Uh, Damn straight, because, like, you know, it's been a long flight. The stuff they serve me, you know the airline I flew on, and you know it's crap food. So a ham sandwich, <laughs> dude, that's what I want. <laughs> well, you know what? You know it's getting there, right? I mean, we're we're still a, a long way away from that, but you know they're getting there. Where they'll they'll know what they know what foods you like. They'll know more about what foods you like. They'll know more about you know. Do you get a cab every time you land at an airport somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. off you go. They'll hey, why would I even bother having a schedule? Just tell me what I need to do next, Google. <laughs> just okay. just tell me what I need to do. Exactly. Eh? <laughs> okay. Um. One more about Google, then we're going to have to go to break, and we're going to come back with, uh, with Alan Kanak. Um, remember in the olden days, and this was something that, uh, okay, had a, there was a time, boom, 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 there was a time at SEO when perfectly <laughs> acceptable practices were considered black hat spam, one of which was something that was perfected by Todd Friesen, <laughs> friend of Webmaster Radio, friend of yours and mine, Todd Friesen, yeah. um, and... He'd redirect. He would make up pages for this is like this is back in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. Okay, and it was like insane brilliance at the time. He would make up specific pages for different cities, um, even for little tiny cities like Walla Walla, Washington. Mostly because he liked typing Walla Walla. Like, yeah, Washington. I was going to say that. That's a fun one. <laughs> um, he would make up like you know just tons of these landing pages, and then he would he would sniff your IP. And direct you to the one that best matched up with the geolocation of your IP address. That was considered, at one time, a form of cloaking. Even though it wasn't cloaking, it was IP detection. Because what it was doing was serving up one set of content to Google. This is our regular page. But if you were from a Tampa, you mightn't see the same content if, as if you were from Tacoma. All right? Or if you were from, like, St. John's, Newfoundland, you wouldn't say the same content you saw in Victoria, B.C. Because Todd, um, Iceman, he would have come up with a way, he would have detected where you were from and directed you to the site that would best met your needs in your local area. Again, remember, this is in the early days of Google. Mm -hmm. Google said, if you show one set of content to your users and another set to us, the search engine, we're going to call that cloaking, and that's illegal. Right. And I got to remind you, we're talking almost 15 years ago. So 13, 14 years ago, Todd's doing this. And Todd was saying all the way along, I'm not spamming. There's no way you can call them spamming. What I'm doing is I'm serving the right information to the right people. Right. And he's right. On October the 10th, Matt Cutts came out and said, this year, Matt Cutts came out and said, user redirection based on location and not spam. So, uh, Todd, as it turns out, you were right. <laughs> Vindicated at last. After that probably, strategy, yes. Now, I'd like, to, I'd like to note, spam or not, dude made brick on that technique. Like, seriously, serious brick <laughs> on that technique. Like, um, but again, Todd, for the record, Matt thinks you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important to remember, just for, for our listeners' sake, putting putting everything in, in context here. Um, for clarification, I can't recommend enough our listeners go and, and watch the video of Matt talking because it works in 
this type of redirection is ethical in certain circumstances, unethical in others. Um, you know, you know this. I, I'm not telling you because I know you know this already. Uh, just worry always. If you take this out of context, you might do the wrong thing and go, but Jim and Dave said it was okay. Listen to the video. So now I'm on air and this is recorded. <laughs> Watch it because there are specific sets. Um, you look at an example like Todd's, um, you know, he, he may have carried that to, uh, you know, just knowing the era of SEO this was in. I can't remember specific examples, but it may have been carried to a, a bit more of an extreme in there. Um, just because of the era, that's what you needed to do to, to make it work. What uh, Matt's referring to is more, you know, like what Google does. It knows I'm from Canada, sends me into Google.ca, and then I got to oh go. Oh my big, goodness! It's showing you a different set of content than it's showing. <laughs> oh, um, it's at its core, though, and this was a big point of Matt's is at its core, it is the same content. It may just be in a different interface. It may just be, um, you know, that, you know, the language may read from left to right, right to left, right? These sorts of things that, that would appeal to that, to that audience. Um, you know, the, the content itself isn't dramatically different. It's just that, you know, the language may be different because, you know, you speak French, not English. Why were you searching in English and landing on an English page anyway? But, um, you know, that sort of thing. So. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. if done properly, it is a perfectly acceptable technique. And again, I just want to note, like, you know, what was called spam several years ago was, in fact, never spam. It just it, it, um But again... Use judiciously. Know what you're doing before doing something like this. <laughs> um, Google is smart enough to know these days. Google is smart enough to know where you are. So um, the reasons Todd was doing it wouldn't be necessary anymore. Well, and one thing that Matt did stress in this video that I'm betting Todd didn't do, only because you know the technology at the time was was a little different, is and when Googlebot comes in from France, they need to go to that new page. Um, so treating Googlebot the same, so as they come in from different locations, don't have Googlebot being treated as a thing. Um, but when they come in from specific IP locations, you need to redirect them too, so that you're well, always treating the same thing. Presumably that would be covered in geolocation, though, right? It should be, but I could see putting up exceptions. <laughs> Going, well, I always want to show the same thing to Googlebot. No, you don't. You no, want to show no, them no. what you're doing to your visitors. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, on that, it's 20 past the hour. Um, I know that uh, we're coming back with a guy who is a... Well, he's my business partner, for full disclosure, but he's also a fountain really, of information. Really bright guy. Really bright guy. So we want to give him a lot of time. So... On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 10th of October. Stay tuned. A lot more fun stuff coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, 
us, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Come visit us at AdTech New York, booth number 738. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report, your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. From Capitol Hill to the White House, the Courthouse to the State House, the FTC to the State Attorney General, the Cyber Law and Business Report, on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology, webmasterradio.fm. It is the 10th of October, 2013, and uh, Dave and I are privileged to be joined by, full disclosure, by my business partner, Alan Connect from Digital Always Media. And as I, as I said going into the show, Alan is a of information. He's been an SEO since, well, since the dawn of the industry, of the SEO industry. And he's also considered one of Canada's analytics experts. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that we can characterize this era of the SEO industry as the post-keyword data industry or the post-not-provided industry, and uh, we, we asked Alan to come on the show today because for years he's been seeing this coming, he's been saying he's seeing it coming, <laughs> it came, and he's also been developing strategies, you know, what should our company and other SEO firms do about it. Alan, welcome back to Webcology, it's great having you on. Thanks for having me back, and I'm having a hard time now to fit my head between my headset, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what a coincidence. A lot of us are having a hard time fitting our, wrapping our heads around a world without keyword data. Well, I like to call it life after not provided. Uh, as you said, we, the industry's been talking about this since what, about two years ago when it first reared its ugly head. And I remember being at a conference and Matt Cuts, who you were talking about earlier, came on stage and says, we predict it will impact no more than single digit of your data meaning like less than you know, 9% or less. That yeah. day he was correct. Uh, he did not lie on that day. 
Indeed. But then as they started moving more people to Google accounts and so forth, but up until two weeks ago, you know, even the worst case scenario where I was seeing clients and hearing people, you know, moaning that they were losing, you know, over 50% of their data, analytics in its core sense has always been about data sampling. Uh, everybody who's implemented Google Analytics or, since it's, you know, release on the internet for the good or for bad, don't understand what data sampling is. They've never were taught statistics. They were never taught analytics. They go, ooh, Google tell Google Analytics says it must be right. Well, no, no, no pun intended. We're just a bunch of poor urchins. Right. And the reality was it wasn't right. Uh, I'm actually talking to two weeks on something of that nature. But it was data sampling at its best. You should not have been focusing you know, on those. In, people were focusing on the grain of sands and not seeing the beach and right. its opportunities. And that uh, was a, okay. A, a, Okay, that, that, that is a very cool comment. They were looking at the grains of sand instead of the opportunity the beach presents. So right. we got caught in a keyword trap. We got caught Exa- in... Oh, I'm, look, I'm sorry? Just as you were talking about in the first part of the show about getting caught looking at page rank. It, it, I didn't care what your page rank was. You could have the highest level page rank, but if you didn't have good content on it, your site still didn't come up because it didn't sure. match anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing. Uh, I remember back around 2002 going to a client, and yes, they were not getting found for their for their brand name and fixing sites like that from an SEO perspective. And you know they were all and having presidents and you know chief marketing officers telling me, "I want to rank for this phrase number one." I go, "I'll guarantee it," because I knew nobody else was using it, nobody was searching on it, and that okay. was. Part of the problem that we got when we got fixated on keyword rank, we frequently went to the marketing people, we frequently went to the engineering people, they gave us a list of keywords they wanted us to rank on, and in the early days of SEO, that was our job was to make them rank for those phrases. We didn't care about was that bringing quality traffic. Let me ask you a question then, Alan. Was that a mistake on our part in the early days, or was it we just didn't fully understand the environment we were working in back then? When we I set would say, the template. I, I would say, and I maybe it was my background from a business standpoint, I never fell into that trap. I would sit going toe-to-toe with these executives at the C-level saying, I don't care what the phrase is. Is that a quality phrase? Well, that's on all our marketing material. Great, but how many people are searching on it? And many of the lazy SEOs took the words that the team gave, and they never talked to the customer or the potential customer. What are they looking for? You might be selling widgets, but if the people on the street, if they were, were looking at your product, were calling, oh, what's that whatchamacallit? They were typing whatchamacallit. And that's what you have to do, or you have to spend a ton of money to educate your audience to know what to search for. And, uh, we, and a few years ago, we used to see, go to Google and search, and they would give you a phrase, because they knew they were ranking number one for the phrase, but nobody ever searched on it. <laughs> but now, could this... TV ads and and uh, radio ads telling you what to search? I'm just <laughs> searching, you know, silly SEO person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, Alan, could this be a case um, where, and, and I know Jim and I touched on this on different tangents over the last couple months because of all the changes over at Google. Could this be a case where we had a bunch of, you know, and and 
you know, trying to do their, their very best, but people who are more technically inclined. Um, and now we're, we're requiring in this new era going back to what it really is and what we've been calling it accidentally. It's not search engine optimization anymore. It is internet marketing and pulling marketing back in. So is that what we're having to look at now is go, okay, this isn't just about ranking and what you rank, or what you rank for. This is about marketing, and we need to understand the clients first and the users first and understand how they're behaving before we can understand what our site needs to do. And we can't start looking at microphrases again. Okay. I think you just put that very eloquently, and that's where I've always said I've been involved in Internet marketing. Search engine optimization, optimizing your site for search engines, was one component in the bigger circle of Internet marketing. And without understanding what your audience was looking for, what they were searching on on their acquisition journey. Are they at just, I'm looking for some general information, or am I ready to buy? They're using different phrases, and that's something we lost focus on. And, in, and I was guilty of this back in the late 90s when, started, when ads started going up on websites and working for a software company. We, I said, wow, we can actually track how many people clicked on our ad and that they converted on our website. This is cool. Let's set that up. And then nobody clicked on our ads. Or we got you know a tenth of a percent click-through rate, and you're going, oh, shit. But we never knew how much that magazine ad we were running was driving the phone to ring. The little thing, so you get blessed for your internet ads, but you didn't care about your print ads. And that's where we started getting lost in it. As online marketers, we got hung up on saying we can track everything. And on the assumption it was of equal quality. What Google has done is it said, guys, uh-uh, take a step back, focus on writing content that's going to resonate with your audience, that yes, we'll rank well, and hey, we'll let you know if your content's ranking well over here on Webmaster Tools. But no, we're not going to let you become myopic, and I think that's maybe a better way of looking at it, by focusing only on the words that people are coming to your site on that they're converting on. Because there's probably a plethora of additional terms that your site's good f should be found for. And if you only focus on a handful of words that you initially got found on that drove traffic, you're missing the big picture. And in that respect, we do have to take a step back, go back to marketing, and start participating in online social is a great avenue to see join some of the online marketing uh, online social groups whether it's Twitter whether it's a Facebook group whether it's a Google community and follow people who are pinning your images and see what words they're using to describe your products and services those are the words we want on our sites not the handful of words that we we initially thought we wanted maybe we put a dozen as tests and then found three of traffic that converted, so now our whole site's focused on these three words. Well, maybe there's 50 words we should be focusing on, and I think that's part of where we have to take that step back and start looking at the phrases that our current customers and our potential customers are using and start writing content that resonates with them and not just on a much narrower group. Now, to your point, and, and if we're to listen to Google, um, you know, the, the, the goal we should be always looking at on our site when we're thinking of content is we need to write content that our visitors want, right? So we, we look at our visitors, see what content they go to, and, and then start to craft more content. My question to you then is, um, 
how much how much should we rely on users rather than starting to look around outside and and looking at keyword data? I mean, none of us are going to completely ignore what keyword data is available to us, even if just to give us some ideas. Um, how much should we look at outside sources? And then if we're looking at our users, when we see what they go to, how much do we optimize? Um, should we be focusing on SEO? I know my personal take here is, yes, we need to want to rank these pages as long as we're building them anyway for long tail and query-based phrases for hummingbirds. Um, but how much emphasis or will it work out long-term if we just keep focusing on our visitor and Google keep seeing in our analytics that our visitors are liking these pages, that clearly they're answering the questions and, and will rank it on its own merit? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. And depending on the business, it's going to vary. I think we still have to look at ranking. There's no question about it. You don't want to build a website that nobody can find and that all you have to spend all your money on page search and magazine and radio ads giving, telling people come visit our website. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. But we do have an opportunity to look beyond our, what we've been doing. And, all, and I say we became very myopic by looking at, look, we have you know, 200 words that people found our website on and 20% of those are, you know, what, 40 words drove conversions. What are our top five converting words? And let's rewrite our copy to focus on those words so we can move up from position, average position of five to an average position of three. And wow, look, look at the increase in ROI. And we just blew off. We had three words out of 200. We had 197 words. We never took the time. Why didn't those words convert? I, I got to ask, ask, Alan, what does Google care? What does Google care where I spend my time and energy? I know that those top three keywords are going to drive traffic and are going to get conversions. So why doesn't Google give me the choice? Well, I'd say there's a couple reasons Google's not giving you a choice because they're trying to meet and provide the best content for their customers. We're not their customers. Their customers <laughs> okay. are people who go into that search box and search. And if they can't deliver quality content because we've become myopic and focused on three words, instead of optimizing the experience for 197 other possible words, which may convert actually better if we wrote better copy around them or delivered what that user was looking for at that time. And I think this is part of Google saying, we're not giving you that direct correlation of conversion, which is really what it's come down to. We're going to give you some data sampling and the people who are really hurt by the move to only holding this data in webmaster tools are the small sites where most of their you know they get less than 10 impressions on a phrase they get less than 10 click throughs on a phrase because they're thrilled that they got 10 visitors to their site that week and that they got one sale wow that's okay. who's re really hurting it for years um, i mean I, I i'd say for you know the entire history of google's existence SEOs have reacted to Google. Google's come up with an algorithm or Google's, Google's introduced some analytic and SEOs have reacted to it. So let me ask you this. Is, is Google, with, I don't mean they're trying to push us around, but is Google trying to model our behavior as SEOs and webmasters? I'd say, in, from what I just described before, where they're asking us to now go look at the bigger picture, yes. They're trying to say, stop being so narrow-focused. You know, as an alternative, yeah. you know, we do have Bing data. Bing is still sending us, you know, the, the search <laughs> terms. And if you believe Bing's numbers, they have 17 percent 
of all searches in the United States, then you have a reasonable data sample. From clients, I'm not seeing them getting over a single digit, let alone even in the, over you know a 5% share of the organic search traffic. Uh, that's a reality. Okay. So yes, Google, Google has always tried to mold the search, the SEO's behavior. They put out rules of what SEO is allowed and not allowed to do. You cannot put, you know, white text on a white background, bad for you. Well, if it helped the user experience, so th they have a certain duplicity where they're saying, well, they're all about user experience, but if I have great content and I'm just using that to get somebody to do great content, what's, the, what's your problem, Google? Well, it's cheating. Well, just because the other guy's too lazy to do it. <laughs> uh, not that I ever did white text on a white background. I always thought, you know, that's not uh, nice. Yeah, we don't but do that. We don't do that. <laughs> Quick I've note, we that. don't do that. <laughs> I've never done it. But yeah. at one time, that was a common trick. Oh, we, we won't do white text. We'll put a thousand keywords in a gibberish at the bottom of the page. Yes, indeed. And sites ranked. Well, and the user never got down there. So really, did it impact the user experience that they would scroll down to a point where they'd actually see the copyright and they know there was no more valuable content? Do yeah, they but, care no, but that's, that's outright punching Google in the head. You know, that's just punching at their head. That's not cool. Okay, but that worked in 2002, 2003. And they moved to eliminate it. And they yeah. moved to eliminate it. But did it impact user experience? So that's what I'm saying is a duplicity. Google is all about user experience. Now, if that tricked a user to come to your site where you didn't have well-written content that matched the desire of what the user was looking for, then yes. And that's what Google really was trying to say. is like, if you're doing this, we can't ensure that the quality of content matches for what the user is looking for. So please remove it. And if you don't remove it, we're going to penalize you. And the panda <laughs> with bad links. Ooh, links are good. But they always said you should be getting links for relevant sites. And they came in and said, we're now going to rate how relevant that site is to you and the quality of the site that comes to you. What's the point of you know, having an online athletic shoe website and you're getting links from, oh, I'm trying to make this up, from car dealerships? Well, it depends if you want to rob the car dealership or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, the car dealership's a bad site to get a link from. And they got a good, you know, they're a real rated site. But it was not relevant to what you're doing. Now, if you happen to be on a profile of one of the salesmen and he talks about that he's a big runner and he runs marathons and here's where he buys his running shoes, then it is an appropriate place to get a link. And that's what Google's been trying to figure out. But, you know, that's, and that's where they're coming down to us. And it's, they're making us work harder as search marketers to identify terms. But, you know, long before this happened, we did run into some clients and people who were losing 50% of the data and they didn't trust me when I talked about confidence intervals and, you know, telling them, you know, they do a, in the U.S. when there's an election, you know, they do a poll of less than 2,000 eligible voters out of, a, you know, 150 million eligible voters and they predict elections plus or minus five percentage points. And everybody goes, woo, look at how good that data is. And here I got a 50% sampling and you're not telling me my data is not good. So now we got a 0% sampling in our analytics tools. And we have to go look at Webmaster Tools and then correlate that back to our website.
Um, now, something that I, I mean, I'm I'm starting to lean on it. I'm hoping you agree because it'd be good to get you know some some backing on this, and uh, we won't be able to get into it too much because then we're just a couple minutes away from from the next break. But um, a feature in analytics that I'm starting to lean on more heavily now is segmentation. What are some great resources, and do you use it to at least segment out your different traffic sources and and segment out your different visitors at this point? Well, the methods for segmentation will vary depending on the analytics tool, but Creating advanced segments 100%. I will look at segmentations by geographical regions. I will not just country. I will look at create a region of northeastern United States versus southwestern United States. Uh, I will look at segments of the website itself, and look at and then try and correlate that to a conversion ratio, so that I can say that people who come in onto segment this segment of our website have a 30% higher probability of conversion than people who enter on that website. And then I'll look at why. And an example would be if all these people who land on our Q&A or for an existing customers where they're having technical problems where it's like, how do I turn on my new electronic device? And you up comes the page, how to turn on your electronic device. They're not converting. So why are you putting them into that big picture? And that's so that's part of the segmentations that I look at. I look at what makes logic within how the site is designed so that I can isolate that. Then I look at sources of traffic, both organic, uh, geographical region, and I split them up multiple ways, slice and dice, until I get an understanding of not only who's coming to my site, but where they're landing and do they convert. And if they land over here and they convert better, why are these people coming here? And maybe I need to fix where they're currently landing to drive conversions, or maybe it's perfectly acceptable. They're never going to convert when they come in here, and they're just at a, I'm looking for some general information on X. Great, we got general information. We'll give them an opportunity to get a reminder of you, and you can put softer conversions in there. So segmentation is probably one of the most powerful tools out there, and and up there with the most underused. That's a cool answer, and I'm afraid, actually, we have to uh, to take a break now. So... uh, um by the way, incidentally, I can attest to Alan segmenting the heck out of everything. I get to look mm-hmm. at his analytics, and it is extremely interesting. It makes reporting back to your client. I mean, it just gives you more suggestions. But on that, we've got to take a break here on Web College and WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We're, and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. We're joined by Alan Kanakos from Digital Always Media. Stay tuned. In the last segment, we're going to be looking at the new SERP, the new search engine result page. SEO Moz has done us a favor by making the mega search engine result page. We're going to cut it to pieces coming up after these, after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. And a bit. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. 
I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Meanstock SEO. And I'm afraid Alan had to jet, but, you know, he did point out some comments he made about the chart that uh, was published at SEO Moz earlier today, Megaserp, a visual guide to Google. And you know what? Uh, the comment's simple. SEO is anything but dead. In fact, there's a lot of new opportunities within Google search results. And as Alan, as Alan posts on uh, the Digital Always Media Facebook page, sometimes it's really hard to know where to start when considering those opportunities. <laughs> um, Peter, Dr. Peter J. Murphy, a uh, SEO Moz contributor, um, again, has published the Megaserp, a visual guide to, uh, to Google. And on it, he's noted 24 distinct unique places, features where you might get ranking. Um, Dave, we've got seven, seven and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try to break this down. We have the local search SERP features, you have advertising and paid result features, you have knowledge graph, vertical search, and you know, it's miscellaneous ones like authorship markup or review or social results or something. Um, I think the ones that most of us as traditional SEOs are would be most familiar with would be found, you know, like in local search and, um, you know, like in uh, in in, in uh, basically vertical search results. Other stuff or in advertising and paid results too, like AdWords. But uh, what do you think? What do you think of uh, of Doctor Pete's breakdown of this page? 
I think it's good. When I first started reading this article, I was like, oh, no, because I thought it was something that it wasn't. Um, oh, you which, thought you're actually going to be like presenting search results like this? No, I, what I thought was when I was first looking at it um, without actually you know, before I'd read it, you know, standard human, I looked at the picture first, um, and I was like, oh, no, they're about to tell me how, you know, what does a user do when this kind of results there? And that's just totally flawed, because you can't do, dump all of it onto a page and assume your users say, not what they were doing. They just put all the elements on a page. Great reading, um, highly recommended for our, for our visitors, because I think it's built on, a, you know, 10,000 queries. I think it's a good enough data set to go, you know, yeah. we can nickel and dime over percents, but this is going to be a good, solid um, chunk of data to base it on here. Give people a really good idea of where their traffic is and what I'm going to really hope for um, is that a year from now we'll see another one of these um, and sort of do a compare and contrast and see what people are doing and what is the prevalence um, of specific aspects of this um, down the road. You know, you look at knowledge graph right now is one I'm really interested in seeing what happens. I'd be curious to see where it was a year ago. I'll be really interested to see where it is a year from now. Because uh, right now, you know, they got it sitting at about 26% um, of all queries that, that would have a knowledge graph. Okay, now, where does that go a year from now? If I'm right, we're going to see that number increase, increase, increase um, as the, uh, Google tries to answer more and more questions without letting you leave Google. <laughs> you know, relying on us to have our Twitter mentality hats on, go, oh, that's the answer, and just leave without actually getting some real information. Um, you know, I, I've been guilty of it. We all have. So, Oh, I, you, know, I, you know what? I do it all the time. Um, often I will type in something to Google specifically. Uh, my search query is specifically written to produce an instant result. So I don't have oh. to go flipping around. Right. You want to know a word? Put define. Absolutely. There's a great yeah. example. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, but I think it's, I think this is great for marketers. I think to me more, it'll be what change happens. I mean, data is data. It's interesting. It's good to know, you know, 26% knowledge graph. Okay, that's a little higher than I would have predicted. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But what I'm more interested in seeing now, now that I've seen this data, is where is it a year from now and as we start to chronicle? Because mm -hmm. I think this will be a big key in understanding what Google is doing on an ongoing basis. Okay, how are they refining? And then that'll tell us, because Google's reacting to their visitors. We're reacting to Google. Okay, that'll tell us, in a weird way, what are what the standard visitor ends up being attracted to a lot more than we might necessarily know out of the gate. Um, indeed. There is a... Looking at this chart, looking at this graphic, there's a lot to deal with at the same time. Um, in different places where a search result may come up. You know the one thing that just leaps off this page at me? What's that? Structured data. Um, this is all microformat structured data. This is like um, XML feed that you give to Google to tell you what's on its web, what's on your website. Um, looking at the pricing of the taco shells in, on the example being used here. Um, that's all structured data. Look at the calorie count that's found in the knowledge graph section. So it's all about how we're putting data on a website and feeding data to Google to present back to uh, the search users. The question becomes, what data do you need to give them and what value is, the, is giving do Google a bunch of data if you're not going to get the click onto your page? You know, and, and I think, and I have a hunch you'll end up agreeing with me here on this one, because there's certain, you know, we've talked about this before, half of SEO is going through your list and going, what, what haven't I done? Or what could be a problem? 
right? It's like, okay, this may or may not fix anything, but if I do it, then now I know it's, that's not the problem. So now I can, you know, sort of focus in on what might be the problem. Um, to me, the answer is you do as much as you can, right? Like if you can use structured data, use structured data. I know, you know, I've got a big B in my bonnet over that these days, um, you know, and, and have for a while. But, you know, if you, you can, you know, do your you images right, do your image right and i think you know and, and um over i it's funny it's sort of a private chat group so i won't actually say who it is but i'll say somebody <laughs> you and i would both trust I, very I much yeah i just i don't want to pin somebody because anybody who knows the company he works for would have a little insight into into what it is and I, I know i hate doing that but you know somebody you and i would respect who works for you know would have a, a sizable oh, chunk yeah. of data at their disposal noted <laughs> um noted you know some some carousel information you probably know what i'm talking about you're part of the same group yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, some yeah. carousel and, and great increases in, in image search. Well, I had noticed that in a couple audits I'd done as well. So, you know, you notice these things and I had assumed, yep, there's some changes and it was actually the groupings, not such a carousel, but the groupings of the images and image search. And yeah, that's, that is what tied these things together is, um, you know, once they started grouping, we got more image. Well, that's a great example why I'd like to see more of this data is if I know that and I know that when it was standard image search, you know, the, the previous iteration of image search before they start grouping and going, do you want cartoons? Do you want, you know, you could always segment, but now they're actually showing your options there, the most popular options. Now I know, okay, which one of these do I show up for? Okay, that's what users are doing. Users are going in, they're seeing a big image um, you know, grouping set, and then they're going, oh, I want animated, or oh, I want yeah. people, or, and, and so it's lending us additional insight into what are our people doing, as long as we don't fall into that trap of going, I can't assume just because I showed up, that's what everybody's doing, that's just my data set, because that's the only data set I get. Um, but when you see these spikes, you can't help but go, ah, okay, that is useful information, and I need to put it in context, but that's some, some really valuable information. Okay, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, this is a virtually new environment we're being introduced to, and so it's going to take weeks, perhaps months, for uh, commenters, quote-unquote thought leaders, folks like uh, Dr. Pete Myers, to get a, you know, to get a, a real grasp on what the environment is and how the environment's behaving and reacting, so stay tuned. But you can't say, well, you and stay tuned to Webmaster Radio, and we strongly recommend that you do. Unfortunately, you can't stay tuned to Webcology because we're out of time. It's been a full hour, Dave. We're done for the week. Um, assuming that there's no GOP Armageddon or GOP Ageddon, uh, where we'll be back next week at the same time. Um, friends, you've been listening to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm on behalf of Dave Davies from Bean. SEO. That's Dave at BeanstalkSEO.com. This is Jim Hedger at Digital Always Media. You can find me, Jim, at DigitalAlwaysMedia.com. Stick around. Webmaster Radio has got some great content coming up after the news. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business -business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.